Hey, Dame. Yo. Do you happen to have any idea who this episode is brought to you by? Oh, I think I have a clue. I think I do. <laughs> this episode of Ergo is brought to you by Overcast, an independent podcast app that embraces the open world of podcasting instead of locking it down. No exclusives, no premium content, no paywalls, just a great podcast app for everyone. And if you know Ergo, we love independent and we love shit not being locked down. So <laughs> so go ahead and get Overcast for free on the App Store. All right, everybody. And we are back with the last edition of this special Chicago Torture Justice Anniversary Suite. Please, if you have been listening and following through all of these conversations, I'm sure you already know that we are encouraging folks to support the efforts of the Chicago Torture Justice Center and the Chicago Torture Justice Memorials. So please, please, please visit chicagotorturejustice.org and you can lend support there in a number of ways. If you are willing or able and you can access the resources, we really encourage and appreciate any contribution or support to the Chicago Torture Justice Projects. And we are going to close it out with a special edition, a performance and conversation that uh, centers Avery R. Young. You're going to get peak Avery fashion of <laughs> having to figure it out and, and making do uh, as, as Avery has done with our musical tradition. So we had a performance, a live performance from Avery R. Young that also is in conversation with one of his amazing videos and pieces that we encourage everyone to check out the visual for. Uh, and also an in-depth conversation with my sister and obviously ergo friend, Christiana Ray Cologne, about the intersections of art, creativity, healing in, within this politicized framework and how movement uh, has shaped some of our work. So very, very grateful for folks who have been listening to this suite and series. And please, whenever you can, show up and support the work of these survivors that have been leading our movement and expanding our understanding of what is needed and what is possible. We appreciate you as always. Much love to the people. Peace out. Welcome to the journey to freedom. Those before us left lessons, we gonna learn and repeat them. We not gonna follow directions because we know that they cheating. The game has been rigged, but into the code and you'll beat it. The North Star ain't the brightest, but it's the one that you seeing. Just follow your spirits because you was born with the secrets. We gonna find what we seeking. Hearts gonna keep beating. Every day is the party. We don't just start on the weekend. We going harder than semen, marching, discarding our demons. Bombarding the garden, led by the daughters of Eden. We are all that we needed, clever but never defeated. We do it better together. They want us broken, competing. We defying the owners, open and bold with our treason. We defying the owners, open and bold with our tricks and kids is smoking and drinking because we be coping with trauma, drama, mama fussing, cussing and little cousins be bleeding. All the homies be tweaking. We get locked up for no reason. Hunting us all year. We not just cuffed in the season, catching feelings, healing, but still throwing shade in the evening. If you saw the impossible with that, make you believe it. Boarding up our schools, they still don't want us reading, crying to shut us up because they don't want us screaming. But we done woke up now. We'll show them what we've been dreaming. Oh, they got us messed up. But here come the redeeming. Now stop. Move to the beat of my drum. Who can you feed with a crumb? And what can we grow with a seed? Our body don't burn in the sun. Build it up and then they'll come. Can't freely have fun with your funds. We know that freedom ain't free. We need role models and teachers for this world swallowing eaters. But it's hard to know who to follow when everyone around you is a leader. Do it for Darion and Adia. 
Dame Mo and Rakia. We'll fix it or break it down, but one way or another, they'll see us. What happened when prisons abolished? When hustlers put kids through college? We learn money can't fix every problem. But well, we don't need they school to get knowledge. But we still gonna grind for them dollars. Ain't no leash of tie on my collar. The stories revise, we write in the lies. Don't rock and roll, but we got honor. Mm. Rock and roll, no Madonna. Uh. No Rolling Stones, no Nirvana. I'm Chuck Berry and I'm Berry White and I'm very tight with my mama. I got every right to go crazy. Them scary nights is what made me. But still I rise to steal the prize. You be ill-advised to try to play me. Good evening, good evening. Welcome everybody. My name is Damon Williams. And I'm here with the Chicago Church of Justice Center. (laughs) Uh, And we are opening up a night of celebration as we are celebrating six years of the historic passing of a reparations ordinance and four years of the existence of the Chicago Torture Justice Center. And we are here for an evening of expressing creativity and performance and how arts intersects with healing and movement building. Uh, We are are fortunate to be uh, joined here today by performer Avery R. Young, want to give a little housekeeping or a little heads up to folks. Uh, We're having a little bit of technical difficulty. uh, And so we're we're adjusting some and we've expanded some of the program uh, of this hour we're going to have and and we're going to figure it out. So I actually have a very, very special guest that came to join us and support. Uh, But first, I just want to thank and shout out a few uh, of the sponsors that have been making this entire month and this evening possible. I want to first, first shout out Hot House, uh, who have been making this actual stream and running the tech of all of these events. We are very grateful. We want to shout out the Old Town School of Folk Music, the Joseph and Bessie Feinberg Foundation, the Tried and True People's Law Office, and the Human Rights Lab of the Posen Family Center for Human Rights for making this month possible. I am here, like I said, uh, with the Chicago Torture Justice Center. And we just wanna encourage everybody as we are celebrating this entire month of May, uh, this historic legacy of reparation, this historic fight against torture and for healing. Um, We need support. Uh, And so if you would be so kind to just always check over what's happening at chicagotorturejustice.org, just just keep that kind of in your bookmarks and go on over there. Uh, and if you look now, you can go to these May events and donate to the center, as well as donating to the funding of the very important Torture Justice Memorial Project uh, that has still not yet to be built in our city. So welcome, welcome, welcome. We, we thank you for being here. We thank you for all of the support uh, for any and all of the survivors that are present and observing this, or at least just here in spirit and your families. We love you. We cherish you. We honor you. We are so grateful for uh, your resilience and the way you living uh, in your truth and your fight for justice has inspired so much of us uh, to be more responsible in our work and how we show up to this world and to this city. So thank you all for joining us. We are here. And I want to introduce and invite a special performance uh, from our special guest who's going to be joining us a little bit later uh, for a facilitated conversation and dialogue. Uh, But first, we are gonna hear an excerpt uh, from their work. So I have the pleasure of introducing uh, playwright, poet, educator, professor, and teaching artist, as well as organizer extraordinaire, uh, a founder of the Let Us Breathe Collective, uh, as well as the Defund CPD campaign. Also my greatest artistic mentor, and last but not least, my actual big sister acclaimed, oh, 
I was just doing the bio off the top of my head because I know her, but we also need to now add TV screenwriter and staff writer for the new season uh, that just premiered of The Shy. So we are, are very grateful to have us have her here with us. And I'm going to pass it and bring up to the stage Christiana Ray Colon, who's going <laughs> to share an excerpt of some of her work. Christiana, thank you for being here. Hey, how y'all feeling this Monday morning? I said, how y'all feeling this Monday morning? My name is Yananga. Let me hear you say Yananga. Very nice. All right. You've got to honor the code. Follow roads that climb. Ascend with intention. Get your mission aligned. Mine mountain sides for quartz that quantum vibrations, but dig yourself gently not to crack the foundation. I said you got to honor the code, the hypertext of your selfhood. I hyperflex and it felt good to rise in my power, to ground in my purpose, to shine on my cowards because I never had an enemy. Just kin on the perimeter, fearing my light will make them dim to me. I honored the code encrypt in me, then grow taller than tails chiseled on the crypt wall. I was working at the pyramid till I slipped fall for the scheme. Quit competing with my sisters. Now I floss with the beams diamond web between stars. I indigo empathy. The wicked giggle with their new toys while I fee-fee with life forms that get tipsy on noise. Ancient rain dance make the sun thunder. I shapeshift in the fissures to the gun wonder what it blasting at. I jaguar and wildebeest, the master of my habitat. Camouflage in Congress on my entourage, laugh in the back, strapped in black and suited up. I flute a swarm of hornets at those suited up to shoot at us. We shooting moons to ruby dust. Lights action, cause we cute and stuff. No plastic planet ruling us. My granddad had the truth engraved in cola nuts he used as cuffs. Link with all the heirlooms scattered in your snacktron chatter. The code conduct electric pulse embedded in your laughter. You've got to discipline your energy to rise inside your matter. And that is a little excerpt from a play I wrote called Suspension. Um, and Suspension is an Afrofuturist dystopian sci-fi high school rebellion story um, where four teens on the power cheer team rise up to oppose their school's hyper-militarized um, security and surveillance force. So it sort of imagines a world where um, the systems of policing that we have in our schools have reached sort of their dystopian ends. Um, and so the excerpt that I just performed imagines this moment where a teaching artist comes into the school kind of as a double agent, like she's coming in under this new disciplinary regime, um, but at the school assembly um, through poetry, she kind of lets the students know uh, that she's there to shake it up a little bit because um, we know that uh, poetry is one of the ways that we. Um, hide our rebellions. Um, and so I am very grateful um, to be here in conversation with my real little brother <laughs> um, and partner in arts and organizing um, and our Uncle Avery, our real Uncle Avery. <laughs> What's up, Unc? You here? So, so a Avery is in the room. We're going to give him a, a few more moments and we're actually going to um, go to a video clip um, that was actually released almost a year to the day uh, last year, actually on the day uh, of uprising beginning here uh, in Chicago, well, not just here in Chicago, but all over the nation. Uh, so before we uh, hear from Avery in the flesh, we are gonna 
hear and see this amazing piece uh, to ground us in this, this event this evening. So with no further ado, uh, you can go ahead and play that video. This is Moe's right. I am the author of Emmett Lewis Till. Sunday morning, about 2.30, someone called at the door. And I said, who is it? Were you there when they did what they did to that boy? Were you there? When they did what they did to that boy, were you there? When they snatched him out in my uncle's house, were you there? When they snatched him out in my uncle's house, were you there? When they led him to were you there when they led him to the wife? Is this him? 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 Were you there? When they led him to the bar? Oh, were you there? Were you there when they led him to the barn? Oh, were you there when they took a fan belt, tied around his neck and threw him in the river? Oh, were you there when they took a fan belt, tied around his neck and threw him in the river? Oh, were you there? Somebody waiting the water all night long, all night long. Were you there? Were you there? Somebody waiting the water all night long. But were you there? Were you there? When the mama, when I got the call, were you there? Were you there? When a win, when a mama, mama got the car, yeah, they got him and they, they got him. Got image, got image. Were you there? Were you there? When they showed a mother, when they showed a son, were you there? Were you there? When they showed a mother, when they showed a son, were you there? Were you there? Were you there? You scream. So you got a week in the knees. Were you there? He'll scream. Till I got weak in the knees. Were you there? She got cheering. She and ball dressed in black. Were you there? Were you there? She got cheering. She and ball dressed in black. Oh, but were you there? See, Sister Spain. Were you there? Were you there? Hip brothers cry. See, sisters faint. Were you there? Were you there? Were you there? When that, when that, when that, when that, when that, when that, when that white boy bragged about what he had done. Were you there? Were you there? Were you there? Big old white boy bragged about what he had done. He said, I got a nigga, 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 got a green eye nigga, southern nigga, a red bone nigga. But that's what I'm getting. But that's what I'm getting. That's what I'm getting. But that's what I'm getting. That's what I'm getting. 
for whistling and white women. Whistling and white women. Where you there? Where you there? Where you there? Where you there? When the jury came back, said not guilty. Oh, this is America's favorite part, y'all. <laughs> Where you there? Where you there? Where you there? Oh, yeah. When the jury came back, said not guilty. Said not guilty. Where you there? Are you here? Are you here? Are you here? Jury street coming back, said not guilty. Where you there? Are you here? Are you here? Jury street coming back, jury street coming back, said not guilty. Said not guilty. Tell me now. Who gonna raise Emmy Sheeran? Who gonna drive Mother Teens? Help me! Who gonna stand for Emmy Man? Who gonna march for Emmy Man? Who gonna fight for Emmy Man? Who gonna sing for Emmy Man? Who gonna sing for Emmy Man? Who gonna shout for Emmy Man? Who gonna, who gonna, who gonna dance for Emmy Man? Who gonna? Who gonna, hey, who gonna fight for him, man? Who gonna die for him, man? Die? Who gonna live? 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 Who? Phenomenal, phenomenal. So that's just, you know a documented piece of what this next person brings. Uh, and I want to thank them as I'm about to introduce them because we were having some technical difficulties and actually adjusted and took the phone out into the street and is going to make it happen because uh, so committed to being here, although it is, uh, we having a little bit of issue. So I have the privilege of bringing to this virtual stage who you just saw, uh, not only an example and mentor for me and my family, uh, but an important lineage creator, an important continuum of the tradition of liberation here in this city and throughout our world, a phenomenal teaching artist, performer, and curator. Uh, everybody welcome to this event. He out on the street, y'all. The one and only Avery R. Young. Burr, 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 burr. <laughs> I'm so sorry, y'all. I apologize. This is what I'm going to do in the, in the midst of all of this talk of healing and freedom fighting and things of that nature. If them blue men pull me over If I reach back For my if they think it is if black blood goes black, stretch me across my cooling board and say I'm legend. Please put it behind. My hashtag, the air, my only weapon. Oh my God, oh my God, how come murder make us legend? Oh my God, oh my God, 
if they kill me and make me legend. Wouldn't be the first say on tour, north and west, east and south. The systemic epidemic of die, getting back in the house, drivers there, lesson plans on how not to get taken out. ASA, blue men speaking Spanish, audio sombre, show your hands, just comply. When we do, we still die. Here face down on the ground. Turn the concrete in the sky. If the blue man pull me over, if I reach back for my ID, if they think it heat, if black blood goes splat, stretch me across my cooling board and say. I'm legend. Please put it behind my hashtag, my skin, my only weapon. Oh, my God! Oh, my God! How come murder? Make us legend. Oh my God, oh my God, don't let them kill me and make me legend. Oh my God, oh my God, I was born a legend. Oh my God, find my mama, remind her, I gave birth to a legend. Oh, oh, made this cup pass over me. Oh, 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 oh. May this cup pass over me. Oh, my Lord, oh, my Lord. I'm in the garden of Gethsemane. Oh, my Lord, oh, my Lord, oh, my Lord. If it's thy will, then let it be. Whoa, 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 Lord. May this cup pass over me. May this cup pass over. Hi, yo. I love y'all. I'm going to holler at y'all later. All right, peace. That was thank so dope. You, thank thank so you, Avery. We love you, Avery. Don't see how much I love y'all. Don't see how much yes. I love y'all. Yes, making it work. I appreciate you bouncing back for us. <laughs> thank you so much. So that was the phenomenal Avery R. Young. And again, uh, you know, we apologize for the technical difficulties, but I'm grateful uh, to him for making it work uh, in this virtual pandemic reality, right? That would have been a pop in on a stage uh, and, and there would have been some of that experience. But it's funny. I don't know if the folks read the bio of this event. In his bio, uh, he is called one of our greatest living street poets. And so just in the, the you know, the spirit of who he is, 
the the tech ain't working and so we're gonna take it out to the streets and make it happen so we are grateful for for his presence and showing up um and so for the rest of this hour i'm, I'm inviting christiana uh back to the space because in addition to just performance art just being seen as performance as a form of entertainment um i want to go a little bit deeper and have a conversation about the practice and how uh, cultural traditions and creative craft um, are embedded and intertwined with healing work, uh, not only overcoming the injuries that we and our people experience, uh, but, but also for all the folks that are watching that just are trying to show up to do the work, right? And, and how we have to uh, build up our own capacity. And I welcome you back, Christiana, uh, just to talk a little bit more uh, about what you offered us in that excerpt. Uh, and how the stage and stage writing um, has been a part of your craft and your exercise and your, and your freedom work. Yeah, so, you know, that um, that excerpt was in the voice of this sort of mystical, fictional teaching artist that comes into the school um, and sort of acts as a double agent, you know, and provokes these young people to tap into their higher consciousness to, like, hack their school's, you know, AI um, disciplinary system. Um, and, you know, I think it definitely comes out of, um, you know, I, I spent many years teaching at Phillips High School um, playwriting for the Young Playwrights Festival. And over the course of my experience at Phillips, like I just experienced policing in the school um, in, in not only like the actual physical presence of cops, um, but just like the energy of the hallways and how adults interact with the young people and like the announcements that came over the PA system, like all of it was in this like very um, controlling, like policing tone. Um, and for me, you know, like I, I went to Whitney Young, like we had metal detectors, but we walked right around them. Like we didn't actually ever go through the metal detector. And we certainly didn't have cops just like stationed at the school, um, even though we we're like right across the street from the police training academy. Um, but that wasn't a part of the culture that I grew up in at Whitney Young. So it was really jarring for me going into Phillips and just seeing how we are socializing young people um, to equate policing and control with learning and education and like how antithetical that was. Um, and so it was really um, my experience at Phillips that led me to write suspension um, and imagine sort of this fictional high school where, you know, through a series of like really sneaky rollouts, like the parents just like click agree on the school's mobile app and don't read the fine print and the terms of service um, and are just signing away more and more of their young people's rights and freedoms um, and physical safety. Um, and I think that that's often how our freedoms get eroded. Um, and so, you know, for me, suspension is definitely like this speculative fantasy that both like imagines the dystopian ends we might end up at if we follow along the path that we're on, um, but also imagines like um, the absolute resilience in the face of repression that black girls and black girl culture um, really embodies. I mean, you know, 
I also wrote this play during the era when the, like the video was circulating of that school security officer, like body slamming this girl in the classroom. Um, and that is the type of policing and like, just like bodily autonomy being constantly policed and restricted, um, whether it be our hair, whether it be how we dress. Um, and so, you know, suspension is also my fantasy of how these black girls really um, just like through celebrating all that is magical about them um, are rising up to, to oppose this oppressive power system. So I think just in terms of like how my art practice, um, you know, like that is my way of moving through kind of um, the trauma of like seeing these young people in a, in a system where like my power to help them feel more free was very limited as a, a teaching artist coming in for like one hour a week, you know? Um, and so I can, I can try to make my classroom, my one hour as liberatory as possible. But then like the very next announcement that they hear on the PA is like telling them they got to go to detention if they don't get to class in 10 seconds. And they're like counting down the 10 seconds, you know? Um, and so, yeah, I don't know that that was a, a, a long winded answer to your question. I think. <laughs> No, I mean, I appreciate it. I appreciate you giving the context of of the setting of that piece, uh, because the way in which you talk about the school, right, it, it, it's very telling to, you know, the legacy that brings us here of the way in which carcerality, the way in which violations of consent, the way in which abuse are embedded into our culture. Uh, and so as a community that co has come together to name the healing of this horrific, his historically tragic tradition of torture that, you know, our city in, in, has invested in heavily. Um, it, it is interesting to note the way in which our students, our young people are being conditioned to accept those types of power dynamics as normal, right? And so um, in talking to just a lot of the survivors, getting this expansive understanding of consent and violation and like that, it happens much more than just the, the highest extremes um, that have brought this community together and that have have been at the base of this fight. So I appreciate you um, sharing that piece with us. I'm, I want to even go back a little bit further because we're going to end this conversation uh, with everybody watching, everybody listening, everybody viewing. Uh, we want to give folks a little bit of exercise or a framework to take out of this evening of how to use this, this tradition we're building of memorial building uh, to, to go further and, and do your own healing and your own capacity building. Uh, but I want to go back to, to the fact that we just had Avery here. And I just want everybody who I, I'm sure was experiencing or absorbing that in, if you want to get more of Avery, definitely, definitely go check out his album, Booker T Soul Train, a race record. That's uh, spelled real black and country. So Google Avery R. Young, Book of Teak Soul Train. It's not spelled traditionally, a race record, um, and, and get much more of his work. And I, I bring Avery back into this conversation because art and was my entry point into activating consciousness and into finding community. So I've said many times, you know, it is not the rippity raps, <laughs> you know, uh, that is my contribution to movement. But if it wasn't for that practice, I wouldn't even be able to see myself relative to community. I wouldn't even been able to understand organizing or community uh, or how to exist outside of our institutional frameworks. Uh, and so I, I trace some of the roots of that. And I remember being 10, 11, 12 years old, uh, following behind you as Avery was one of your teachers and one of your mentors uh, in the poetic tradition and in the hip hop art scene here in Chicago. 
Um, and so, you know, Avery has been a steward of this cultural tradition. Um, you have stewarded that tradition. I am working uh, in that tradition now. And I just want to kind of invite folks into it. And so for you, with that context, um, how has art, craft, and creative work um, helped you build your capacity to show up or, or helped you heal your wounds, uh, even if showing up is not, you know, possible on, on, on the horizon? Uh, and so, yeah, how does your craft get you into, into your movement work? Yeah, I mean, I, I think, like, the first thing that comes to my mind is, like, at my heart, I'm a producer. And if if the movement needs an event produced, like, I'm the one to do it. So whether that be um, a defund CPD training weekend, I'm going to produce the heck out of that. Um, or, you know, an arts and political education um, hybrid event, um, like, creating spaces, creating portals, bringing people together um, is like the the part of my craft that like I am always most uh, energized to bring to movement work. Um, but, you know, so I, I talked about suspension a little bit, um, but, you know, the play of mine that is most notably like in my canon of abolitionist theater is Florissant and Canfield, the play that I wrote that was really kind of a, a fictional reimagining of the birth of the Let Us Breathe Collective and like our experience um, of going to Ferguson and some of the, the contradictions that we were met with there. Um, and, you know, so that, that piece was very much um, the beginning of me sort of declaring um, that my work was gonna be toward abolition like my that I was dedicating my craft to playwriting toward that end um and so you know that I am now working on its follow-up piece um Holman and Fillmore um you know sort of carrying on this um this notion of like the physical intersection um being uh, a metaphor for some of the, the <laughs> interpersonal intersections that we um, encounter in movement work. Um, and Holman and Fillmore, of course, being the intersection where we stage our encampment at Freedom Square. And so when I was interviewing Jennifer um, about Holman and Fillmore, I asked her, like, is this a piece that you think should exist? Um, you know, like I was feeling self-conscious about writing it. Um, in large part because I felt so unresolved with so much of the actual trauma that happened that summer um, and some of the interpersonal wounds from that summer. And so I was asking her, like, should I even be doing this? You know, like, is, is, this, is this okay for me to do? Um, and she said something to me that has like resonated in my mind ever since then, um, which is that like, I should write this play if for no other reason than I will process it via writing a play um, in a way that I, I won't get in any other area of my life. Um, that like for me specifically, like writing this play will be the healing that I need um, from that event. Um, and, you know, like that's like a very like individualist maybe um, justification for writing the play. Um, but I, <laughs> you know, A, I think like, also, it is my historical duty to sort of document some of these things that um, 
you and I and and the people in our circle have firsthand experience of, um, but also like, I really need that. <laughs> like I really be needing that, you know, for my own ability to come back and show up for the work, um, that outlet to process um, through, through this lens of like going back and retelling the story and pointing out the things that I wish that I had done differently, or like, you know, pointing out the contradictions um, from the perspective of, of the wisdom that I've gained since then, um, I think is like one of the, the gifts that I'm able to give myself um, through my craft. Yeah, th- that really resonates this idea of documentation, right? Like, I think a lot of times, what I hope people gather from from this conversation is we are encouraging everyone to be in practice, right? And everyone um, to to engage in craft as a way to to build ourselves and to build movement. And so, what I heard from there, right, is connected to this this limitation, I think, of how we approach arts and movement of like, you know, art is the sugar that gets people to come, right? Or art is entertaining and like can cut the the, sh- the stress and like when we're getting too heavy, then we can go high and we can dance. Um, <laughs> but I think there, there are, are bigger um, importance to why everyone needs to have some type of craft or space for creative practice if they're in this liberation space. So I think one thing you just named uh, was documentation um, because we are creating these counter histories, right? Like the institutions that we are resisting, the institutions that have harmed our people um, want to establish narratives that affirm their presence and their power, or at least want to invalidate or erase or invisibilize um, narratives that challenge or, or, or name the harm. Um, and so I want to talk about memory with you a little bit um, and, and why it is important to remember and how some of our practices can help us remember. Um, because big part, one thing, here comes the, the intentional plug, uh, folks can support the funding of building the memorial uh, for the survivors of police torture here in Chicago, um, as it is important that we continue to put pressure on our city and our government to uphold its uh, responsibility. Uh, but we as a, as a whole city have a lot of memory and memorial building to do. So I want to take that, that notion of memory and, and expand it, right? Because um, I think that that is, that is part of the fuel. And so for you, how do you see memory relative to our craft making our creative practice as ways to document, as ways to account, or as ways to set free? Yeah, I want to answer that question, but I want to go back to something that you said. Go back. Um, just just because, you know, it, it, it was really like just one of those turning point moments for me. Um, you're talking about documentation. Um, and, and counter narrative and like, just like all, all of the propaganda that we are up against. Um, and I really believe that it took me so long to get to abolition. And I say so long in so far as like, we were on the streets in Ferguson, we were on the streets in Chicago. It was like, I'm like canvassing with BYP. And it took me several months of being on the side of like Black Lives Matter and being on the front lines of protest before the notion of abolition occurred to me. And I think it took me that long because of how much dang on law and order I have ingested in my lifetime. Like I've literally just binged seasons and seasons and seasons of law and order. Um, And, you know, like I say that kind of tongue in cheek, but just like the amount of 
pro-police propaganda that is just embedded in our everyday culture. Like, I don't Cops has had like 20 something plus seasons. You know, it's like the most watched. It has some crazy statistics about, you know, its viewership, um, the Law and Order, this huge franchise. Right. And so for me, like the I decided to like commit my craft to this because I just realized the magnitude of propaganda for the opposition. Um, and, and so like, it felt important for me to then say like, okay, I have to like <laughs> chip away at that, you know, in, from my own little corner of the universe. And that really has been like what, um, inspired me to make the transition from stage to screen, because as much as I really wanted to keep it in the like intimate visceral space of the theater, um, you know, I just realized that mass media is pumping out this like pro-police propaganda that doesn't even like we don't even realize I think how much we ingest and are socialized uh to accept the narrative that like you call 911 and someone on the other end is going to send someone to help you um and, and that is just not what it is right um so anyway that that sorry to go on a little tangent but just as you were talking about counter narrative and um and made me think about that uh but to answer your question about memory and um, the place of memory in our movement making and movement work. Um, and, you know, sort of in line with what I was just saying, like there's just so much content meant to like gaslight us into believing that what is happening is not happening. Um, and our, you know, creative um, you know, righteous rage filled, like all of the ways that we collectively express that like, no, what, like, this is actually happening. It happened to me or it happened to this person that I know and love. Um, it is, it is ongoing. Um, like all of that is movement work. Um, you know, it is, it is how we create um, a public record, a collective record um, that is counter to what uh, dominant culture um, is trying to lie about, right? Um, and so, you know, we, we're talking about memorials, and um, and it just made me think about like this this week seeing jo George Floyd Plaza just filled with flowers and placards and art and graffiti, um, and that space being transformed into a memorial space, um, which of course like harkens back to our experience in Ferguson and seeing Canfield Ave become this like living memorial for Mike Brown um, and being burned down and then built again and then burned again. Um, and how like these memorials become contested spaces that we have to fight for that are under attack um, where we have to constantly iterate and reiterate um, that a person lived, that their life was valuable. Um, and so, you know, I wanna sort of offer um, as we start to, to transition into um, inviting folks to respond. Um, just the question of like, how do we make memorial when we don't have those physical spaces that the, you know, the candles in the center of the street? Um, how do we make memorial in our day-to-day -day lives um, or in our writing? Um, and so, you know, if, if we're going to take it on the writing prompt side of things, I would invite folks to think about building a memorial um, in a poem or in a monologue, 
Um, or if you want to try to think about building memorial into your day-to-day life, your day-to-day practice, is it lighting a candle or pouring a libation for an ancestor or for a loved one? Um, and so if we're thinking about it on the writing side of things, um, I would invite you to write a poem or a monologue that memorializes yourself um, or an experience that you've had, something that you've been through, or that memorializes an ancestor or a loved one or a freedom fighter, um, someone that inspires you, or that memorializes a communal experience. Like, you know, maybe it's memorializing Uprising 2020 or Von Derrick Meyer's funeral or the day the city removed the Columbus statue. Um, any type of collective experience like that. So, so that is one side of the invitation um, to think about building memorial inside of a writing practice um, to invite you into this um, collective um, visioning um, and bringing craft into the space of movement. Um, and then also like on the ritual side of things, is there a ritual that you can create in your everyday life that is an act of memorial, whether that be Every time you water a plant, you say um, the name of someone who's passed that you want to invite um, into life, into the space. Um, so that is my offering. What do you think about that, Damon? I think that's really amazing. And I think this is actually um, something we can encourage folks to do throughout the year. Uh, so for folks who are watching live, uh, for folks who check this out a little bit later, either video or audio, uh, we want to invite you into community. Uh, we want to invite you to, to to step in a little bit. Uh, and so, you know, there there are passive, well, not passive. There are some traditional important ways to support, right? You can sign petitions. Uh, you can donate. You can go to ChicagoTortureJustice.org and donate to the Chicago Torture Justice Memorial and donate to the um, continuation of building the new Chicago Torture Justice Center. So there, there are those like more direct, straightforward ways that you can show up. Uh, but we want to build community here. So if there are any, particularly any survivors in this space or observing this or engaging this, we invite you into this prompt. But all supporters and all viewers, uh, take that three-level practice of memorial and let's see if we can share it. Uh, so I did this on the fly in terms of how we can receive it. Uh, but we could take actual submissions at info at chicagotorturejustice.org. And in that way, we also can get your contact information and be, be in community. Uh, but start building that memorial practice in whatever form you may. We here grounded in some of the poetic traditions, so that can be writing and that can be storytelling. Uh, but it can be photography. It can be, uh, you know, painting and watercolor. It can be dance, you know, whatever, whatever craft speaks to you. It could be, you know, drum patterns. Let's memorialize on three levels as a way to build with each other. Uh, so first, like Christiana said, memorialize a personal experience you have. Um, and that does not have to be relegated only to trauma. You can have memory of, of any of your experience because it's important to be self-connected and self-aligned. So write yourself or create yourself uh, one practice of, of personal memorial. Uh, and then memorialize someone else. So that can be an ancestor, that can be a loved one, that can be a working partner, that can be uh, a, a practitioner that inspires you, a performer of some sort that, that does the work. So write memory or memorial of someone else, another person. And then lastly, memorialize a community or collective experience. Uh, so we'd certainly invite folks to write 
uh, poetic or other memorial of this legacy of survivorship of police and prison torture, uh, but we can expand to other community experiences as well. Um, so whether that is uh, healing of grief or celebration or joy, uh, we want folks to take those three. So I think either Cindy or Gina may be in the chat on this. Um, so folks on the Facebook, we want to get, get those memorials. Uh, and you can even send it to the Facebook too. That's another place, uh, Chicago Church of Justice. So personal memorial, memorial of someone else, collective and communal memorial. Um, and I think that's, that's a really beautiful, beautiful offering. Uh, uh, thank you so much. So in closing, um, Christiana, um, when we remember, right, when, when we do the practice and the craft of remembering, whether that's performative or intimate, um, when we remember, what, what do you see being more possible from, from refusing to forget, forget and choosing to remember through our expression? Um, I think in remembrance, uh, we both like collect tools and lay blueprints for building the future. You know, it is in our recounting um, both that we like are able to stake our claim in our own vision <laughs> um, of what happened um, and what we would like to see happen. Um, and, and, and we're able to like envision things that don't exist yet. Um, and so, you know, I think that, that those are the things, you, you know, you, you collect the tools that you need to build um, and you write the, the blueprints for, for what is to come. Asha. Well, thank you so much, Christiana, for, for joining us. And thank you so much for having me. Good to hang out with my baby bro on Zoom. <laughs> you look, you look, you look beautiful, sister. So I appreciate you. you so much. And thank you for, for your offerings and your wisdom. Um, and from that place of, of remembrance, before I, I, I rethink all the people that made this happen, I just want to take a, a, a quick moment uh, for everyone watching or everyone listening. Um, if we can have a moment of remembrance uh, for Mike Seasway Elliott, um, who transitioned yesterday um, on the, the, the 20, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm losing my, my dates, who transitioned yesterday on May 25th, 2021, um, on African Liberation Day. Uh, and for those who don't know, Mike Seasway Elliott, um, as, a, as a young person coming up in movement, he was one of the first and sometimes the only uh, person I can identify as elder who was out there on the streets with us in support and in step. Um, so many of our events and actions um, as, a, as a member of Black Lives Matter Chicago and also as a member of CARPER um, and really fighting for the CPAC ordinance, but also was very present um, and very connected to this, this history of, of torture justice and reparations in our city. So uh, for all those that knew and loved Mike, and I am very grateful for the kindness and the example uh, that he set for me personally and for, for my peers and my comrades. Uh, so we'll just take a moment in love and remembrance of Mike Seasway Elliott. We love you, Mike. And with that, we love all of you 
who are here and who are no longer here with us. And we want to invite you uh, to continue out this month of May celebrating with us as we remember uh, our beautiful community and the, the resilience uh, of, of our survivors and our leaders. Um, and the month is this, I think, was our last Wednesday, uh, but we have a few more things popping off particularly this Saturday um, at the Breathing Room Farm and Gardens on 50th and Laughlin. Um, and so this Saturday, we have two back-to-back -back workshops. At 1.30, we have Visualizing Breath, a workshop with Patricia Nguyen, an artist, educator, and award-winning memorial designer for the Chicago Torture Justice Memorial, who did the great practice of helping to organize a lot of the survivors and designing and bringing their creativity and their story uh, to designing the memorial that we need to build. So come at 1.30, uh, 5045 South Laughlin. And then right after that, starting right up at 2, we have Experimental Black Dance in the Garden. Uh, the workshop will engage participants in trauma-informed dance education, which uses movement to investigate historical pain and somatic memory in order to heal and construct wellness-centered perspectives. Uh, that will be presented by the Old Town School of Folk Music. And from there, also, uh, Old Town School of Folk Music will be doing, uh, coming soon, we'll, we'll, we'll post details momentarily, uh, weekly uh, drum workshops at that same location. Also want to invite folks uh, to our shop uh, to get a t-shirt or become a pollinator and help support. So go visit the shop at chicagotorturejustice.org and get the Torture Justice t-shirt or support uh, this fight for reparations and building the memorial in a few different ways. And lastly, but not least, I want to thank and shout out again all of the partners and sponsors that made this happen. Hot House on a technical level, making it happen minute to minute for all of this uh, pandemic friendly uh, virtual reality work. Uh, and we hope that next year, next May, it will be comfortable and fun for us to be in person again. Old Town School of Folk Music the Joseph and Bessie Feinberg Foundation, the Human Rights Lab, the People's Law Office, and also my original political and creative home, the Let Us Breathe Collective. Uh, we are so grateful for all of our partnerships and coming together to make this work happen. Without cooperation, we would be nowhere. So thank you, thank you, thank you to everyone for showing up. Uh, and be on alert, stay tuned, uh, because we are working to move into a new space with the Chicago Torture Justice Center. And it is an exciting, but yet robust project. So there are gonna be a lot of opportunities to support. And the support that started in this month is not gonna end. We need to go all the way through through next May to make sure that we have the space we need uh, to do the healing work that, that um, our folks deserve. Uh, so thank you so much for tuning in this evening. Thank you everybody who's come to the previous events and all the folks who have supported and donated. Please go again to chicagotorturejustice.org and support in any way that you can. Thank you to my big sister, Christiana Ray Cologne. Thank you, Avery R. Young. Thank you, Gina, Vedran, Aislinn, Cindy, uh, and everybody else that's make this happen. Mark, Greg, Latanya, um, Damon and Carl and all the other survivors in our community. We love you and we appreciate you and we'll be back soon. Much love to the people. Let's build our memorials. Peace out.